Barkley on the take. Giving left. Howard on the touchback. Inside to the five. Howard slams into the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown Bears! Jordan Howard, a nine-yard run. Snap is back. Coming on a blitz. They throw into the end zone. Left corner up in the air. Elshon Jeffrey makes the catch. Touchdown! Touchdown Bears! Bears Hour Live with Lauren Cox and the Draft Doc, Philatosha. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. I'm Lauren Cox here with Draft Doctor Philatosian. It's not a uh, it's not our usual Sunday show, but we're gonna have some fun here on a Thursday, getting things getting things heated up with some Bears talk on a Thursday night. You know, this Sunday is Easter, so we're not gonna be on the air. We're gonna take some time off and enjoy our family. So hopefully, this will do a pretty good job of at least tidying you over for the weekend. It's not gonna be any Bears talk on Sunday, but hopefully, this should be. Uh, at least a little bit of a midweek surprise to get you get you through your Friday, get you through your weekend, and hopefully have some some fun in the process. So, Phil, you know we're we're inching closer and closer yes. to, to the draft. How excited are you? It seems like you know, like just yesterday the draft was you know down in the future. It was something you had time to get ready for, and all of a sudden it's like holy crap! It's like next week. It's the week after next. It's 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 here. Are you excited for draft season? Do you have the Aldo Gondia Chicago Blackhawks sound drop? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm excited, Laura. And I mean, NFL draft is like Christmas morning for those fans that truly love it. Um, today, Eric Edlum of Yahoo and Jeff Lo- Jeff Lloyd two great followers had a little commentary going about your first draft memory. And it really brought me back full circle to today. You know, as you get closer to it, I just remember being a young kid and my mother allowing me the opportunity to stay home from school to watch the draft where all my friends were like, they're just names being called off. And, you know, Obviously, the technology to where it is today is amazing, but young Phil just had this uh, affinity with the the whole process of football and building a football team. And as we look and 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 over the time period of dealing with what the Chicago Bears have ha- have become, and, and talking to Greg Gabriel last Sunday, just giving a behind the scenes look. At what transpires, it's just right there now. And the frustration of the big boards moving and all this stuff going on and trade rumors. It's, it just, I took a step back today and I actually just started laughing, Lauren, because we're almost there and we're really going to find out what Ryan Pace and company are thinking. After two years, me and Lauren have came away from the draft a little bit upset. So hopefully the third time's the charm, Lord. Yeah, I was I was on the phone I was on the phone with Phil last year when the Bears moved up to get Leonard Floyd. I remember we were we we're both watching TV <laughs> on the phone. He's like the, you know the Bears have traded up to the was it the ninth over the seventh over no ninth overall pick. Nice. We're like they're getting Tunzel. Tunzel is headed <laughs> to Chicago. Our prayers have been answered. They got a left tackle and then when Floyd went off the board it was a uh, it was a much different reaction, and obviously, he had. I mean, we were disappointed initially with Floyd, and we 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 saw a player grow and and become a very promising young pass rusher. Even if there are still some question marks for him moving forward, you know, there's never a sure thing after one year, and you know, you want to see Floyd grow. But it, it's a it's another lesson to give Pace some patience, even if he picks a guy that maybe isn't our first choice when it comes to the NFL draft because he seems to have a, a knack for this kind of talent evaluation process. So he's got a lot of choices here with the third overall pick, and that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to go through our Bears-specific big board here for that third overall pick, so this is not going to be a who we think the top 10 players in the entire NFL draft are. It's who are our top 10 choices for the Chicago Bears for that third overall pick. I mean, realistically... Ryan Pace needs to have three guys picked out heading into if, if he's going to stay at that pick, and that's why we're going to expand this to number ten. Because if if he's going to stay at that pick, 
he's guaranteed one of his top three favorite players in this draft. And, and realistically, Miles Garrett and is going to be on that. And maybe if it's if Deshaun Watson or quarterback is on there, I mean, say say it's Garrett Watson and Solomon Thomas, Phil, which I think are going to be your top three in some order. You're guaranteed one of those players, and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about in which order we would we would put these players. So if the Bears are the, if the Bears are the number one pick, who would who would we take? Who would be the ideal player for the Bears, and so on and so forth. But if he's going to trade down, say you know maybe not even outside the top mm-hmm. ten, maybe he moves down a couple slots to five. If if a team like Jacksonville or somebody wants to move up, I don't remember if Jacksonville has five or if they have four, but teams. In that sort of top 10 range, they want to move up a couple picks to make sure they get their guy. There's been a lot of talk about Ryan Pace being interested in moving down. There's talk that the 49ers are interested in moving down. So we'll see how much of a market there's going to be for that third overall pick. But regardless, we are going to go through the top 10 players in our eyes on our Bears big board. And we're going to disagree on at least a few of these slots. I think early on we're step for step with the first couple. But I don't remember exactly where Phil shakes out once we get past the first few guys. And I think it's going to be some interesting discussion. And I'm worried that... We're not going to be able to get through them all in an hour, so we should maybe get started here, Phil. I want to ask you this question because Miles Garrett is kind of seen as the number one player in this draft by most people. He's the consensus top pick in the mock draft. I know lately, you know, I think Adam Schefter put something out earlier this week that, you know, the Browns are still potentially going to take a quarterback number one, and Garrett is not locked in for that pick. But regardless, he's kind of seen across the league as the number one player in this draft, even if the Browns might not take him there. Is he, if he were on the board, and let's just pretend the Bears had the number one overall pick in this draft. Are you taking Miles Garrett? Is he that good of a pass rusher? Or who who else would be in that conversation over Garrett if not him? Well, I think quarterback trumps everything. I, if we're playing spades, it's the spade. You know, the reality that position plays on the game itself is talked about continuously throughout the whole off-season, during the season, who's the best quarterback? And these guys are elite. He's not elite. It goes on and on and on. It's always talked about because of how critical it is. So when you're looking at this board, I think Greg you know, talked about this himself, about it trumping other positions. It might not be the best player talent-wise on the board. So if we were going to do a board – Garrett, right now, to answer your question, to me, is the best player in this draft. It's not just hyperbole. It's just not the consensus that you go with. After you look at everything that that young man does on tape, I call him baby peppers with an actual motor. I think this guy goes after it, plays hard, 100 miles an hour with his hair caught on fire all the time, and he's excellent at finishing, and one of the really great things about the football player is that he understands finishing to create a turnover. That takes time. The great Lawrence Taylor kind of perfected it for young men all throughout the country and passed down, just going after the football. You know, get them down, but get the football out. You get both. You get a double there, double play, by getting a sack, strip sack, It's more important than even causing a pressure or getting a sack itself, just getting that turnover. Everyone knows or should know by now how important turnovers are, and I think Garrett does that. He also holds up against the run real well. He has really good understanding of what offensive lines are trying to do to him, and he's able to disrupt those plays, and he's physical. When you look at Leonard Floyd, who you talked about trading up and getting him, this guy's more polished with his hands. He's more physical at the point of attack. He's everything you would ever want in a pass rusher. And ultimately, that's really point B to a quarterback. So that's my number one guy on my board. So if he was there, we really are in deep conversation, Lauren, an arm wrestling match based on how I align my quarterbacks up. And if the belief system throughout your process is that one quarterback is going to fall or you're going to be comfortable with trading back up if you're going to take this football player. But if you had free choice of any prospect in this draft to take with the third overall pick, is it Garrett? In my 
The Chicago Bears are my Philatotian starting my franchise. You are general manager Philatotian with the Chicago Bears roster. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I know. I honestly would take the quarterback, and you know which one I take, only because I recognize there is a huge need for a quarterback in Chicago. I know we broke this down. We've been breaking this down since the beginning of the last season. How important this was going to be. There's an arm wrestling match with Cutler. Are they going to keep him? Use him later to trade him? Are they moving on from him? Well, we got the answers. He's gone. Now it's time to move on. This Mike Glennon deal is essentially a one-year deal, a test drive to see what this young man could do. Because egg on the face, if he can't overcome what the position and what the Chicago Bears season is, on the brink, especially with a head coach that has to be on the hot seat and a GM really grabbing. I mean, he's getting gray in the hair already because he has pressure on him. I don't think you could pass. I would not pass Deshaun Watson, Lauren. I wouldn't either, just because how many opportunities in the history of a franchise do you have the opportunity to pick in the top five and have your choice of all of the quarterbacks in the draft to add a franchise player. And even if you don't feel like Deshaun Watson is quite Andrew Luck level, you have to understand mm-hmm. that if you're not taking a quarterback third overall this year, and you have, certainly it's one thing if if two quarterbacks went one and two and, and then you didn't like the rest of the quarterbacks. But, I mean, if you have all four quarterbacks on the board and we're talking, we're talking about our ideal player with the pick, you mm-hmm. have to take the opportunity. You can't just say, well, we'll get one next year because – if you're not picking in the top five, in the top ten next year, you're going to have to either trade up to get a good quarterback or take a B, C tier quarterback because this is where you take the franchise changing players under center. And you cannot, you just cannot pass up that opportunity to get that player, even if he's not as sure of a thing as other players that have gone in the top five at the quarterback position before. It doesn't mean he's also going to be Blake Bortles. You know, you have to take. This, this opportunity to change the history of your franchise, to turn a corner and to find the solution at the most important position. You can find Miles Garrett's later in the draft. I mean, you can't, maybe you can't find you the can. elite 15 sack of your guy in the, in the, you know, in the mm-hmm. 10 to 15 to the 10 to 20 range if you're starting to get in the playoff conversation. But you can find the, a B-tier rusher or a 1A-tier pass rusher later on in the draft. But if you have the opportunity to add a franchise quarterback early in the first round, you have to take it because you, you can't accept that you, you, you're you not going to be in this situation. If you are in this situation again, then things have gone horribly, horribly wrong with your franchise and you have a lot bigger problems than just finding a new quarterback. So to me, you have to identify the quarterback that is the franchise player that is going to be the solution at the position and then you just take him. You have to take him I when agree. you pick this high in the draft. So I, I, I'm with you that Deshaun Watson over Miles Garrett would be the first pick in the draft for me, and then Garrett comes too, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, you look – I mean, let's focus in on one second here because I know Bear fans out there, whatever flavor you're – Watson, you're the other Deshaun and Kaiser. Are you Trubisky? Are you um, Mahomes? Are you Kelly? <laughs> you know, everybody – thinks this Dak Prescott, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, and uh, Tom Brady in the sixth round happens. They they happen occasionally. They don't happen all the time. I mean, if we're going to put up a list of quarterbacks that failed, it's going to be a hell of a lot longer list than hits that were happening later. So when you're looking and you identify, I mean, every – Thing you want in a quarterback, I see in Deshaun Watson. Everything I've pled on this radio show, on Bears Bar Room, anywhere, Deshaun Watson is a leader. He's a winner. He's a absolute under pressure cooker decision maker. He's got great accuracy, timing on the football. He brings a new face to the franchise. He can run. He could pass. He could make the decisions that need to be done. Uh, uh, Todd McShay, Todd McShame on you. 
Because honestly, <laughs> listening to you talk, it's almost as comical as your your uh, gif that you put up, Lauren. Todd, because... Todd, Todd, Todd. <laughs> Frank, I mean, what are we doing here? Near the <laughs> end of, we're switching our big boards, we're switching our top fives, all of a sudden. Everybody's becoming Aaron Lemming. So, I don't know. I just don't flip-flop. I've, I've For the first time in my life, I've moved a quarterback above another quarterback this late in the process. A few weeks ago, this happened. So I get it. Now do I get it? No. All the tape's there. Everything you want to see is there. So looking at the Chicago Bears being this high, Lauren, last time you took a first-round quarterback, Rex Grossman, 22nd. Before that was Cade McNown. I forget. I think he was 11 or 12. Something I know like super producer Marsaw out there has the number. But <laughs> the reality the reality is you've never your goal is never to be up this high. You've picked 7th in Kevin White. You traded up from 11 and you got Floyd. Now there's a need and the need right now is your top 5 your your analysis of that quarterback position is going to trump our big board, and you're going to push him up. I have Watson as my number one quarterback. I've been saying that since November. This guy's the guy. He's the guy you want to change the franchise. Now, can you have a competition? Can you let him sit? Whatever transpires will happen on the football field, but don't be surprised if this guy comes into – the situation in Chicago and and is a willing competitor. That's what you should want. And then ultimately try to take over the job and be the face of the franchise. And if it's Kaiser, I'm okay with that. It's got to be – I know we're playing Rollers GM, but really going back to Ryan Pace, you got to have your, you know, strength in your decision makers, your scouts – and go by your board and have the balls to pick the guy there despite the talking heads that have flip-flopped their big boards. You you follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The decision now is quarterback. That trumps everything. We all know it. We want to be glamorous. You want to take a safety at three? And really, how does that help your franchise throughout the distance without taking swings at the most important position in all of professional sports it's not even close okay a soccer goalie baseball pitcher none of it's close quarterback is the most difficult position and most important in all of sports there's a certain measuring stick that you can't just measure with your mathematical equations by this chick on nfl network it just doesn't happen okay so we pop in the tape and he's delivering the ball with weird mechanics, but it's always where it's supposed to be. Stop. Go play soccer or do a, another sport because you're missing the point, and that's to deliver the ball to where it's supposed to be on time. The mechanics can always be coached up and cleaned up. It's the player that makes the decisions and processes information spontaneously, completely, that are the elite. Those are the guys that step up. And for all the criticism and all the measuring sticks that we've had for Jay Cutler, ultimately that chapter's over. It's time to get a young gun in here, and I would have to pick Watson. I think the only the only way that I would find it acceptable to not take a quarterback with the third overall pick, like I mentioned briefly, is if quarterbacks go one and two and you miss out on your guy. I mean, I understand if you're Ryan Pace, you, you're not going to trade up to get a quarterback in this draft that you want. You're going to, you kind of are at the mercy of the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco 49ers or whoever picks in those one and two slots. So if somebody jumps you for two and takes Deshaun Watson, and, or say Cleveland takes Deshaun Watson one, and then someone jumps you at two for Trubisky, and then you're Ryan Pace and you say, oh, well, those were the two quarterbacks I'm going to put my stamp on. And I'm not going to put my stamp on Kaiser or Mahomes. And really, the names don't matter, but regard, you know, it's, if if quarterbacks go before three, 
then I understand picking elsewhere or trading down or, or doing that. I, I totally get it. But if you get a scenario where all of these quarterbacks are on the board, I think it's unacceptable to not take a quarterback with a third overall pick just because it's so important. And I don't care that these quarterbacks aren't perceived as as good as other classes. You can find there, – there, there are franchise quarterbacks here. There's probably four of them in this draft, and if not four – there are at least a couple guys that are going to pan out if you put them in a proper situation and they have all the talent in the world. It's about tapping into it. So I think it, it just quarterback is just so critically important, especially when you're picking in the top five. But I want to keep moving on this big board discussion here. We've got Watson 1, Garrett 2. Let's say that's how the draft goes in some order. Maybe it's Garrett 1, Watson 2. But those two guys are the first two picks in the NFL draft. Philatotion is on the board with a third overall pick. I think I already know the answer to this question, Phil, but with Garrett and Watson gone, who's number three on your big board and, and on your draft card that you're turning into the commissioner? Well, you cue the little bell because I would run up and I'd now focus on plan B, and that's Stanford edge rusher Solomon Thomas. That would be my guy if that's how it played out. I have Thomas graded as the number two player in this whole draft. As a football player, he, I believe, is a difference maker inside and outside. He is an athlete, a physical force, and an, uh, he has great hand fighting skills. You know, it's I'm doing these, my top fives, every top player I'm doing videos for. But he's 1B to Garrett, so I didn't get to do a, a highlight video for this guy to old school hip hop music. So it's frustrating, a little disappointing because I was trying to sneak them into the Bears Hour live family of films over there on YouTube. But Solly Thomas, I believe, would be tremendous for Vic Fangio to use. I mean, he can line up at the three technique on third downs. Lauren, what are the numbers in third down situation? 60, they're playing nickel. 65% of the time in Chicago. Yeah. So you're looking at a football player that can give you versatility, but aside from just being able to line up, he's going to win. And that's what I want, a guy that's going to win. And throw up the tape of him getting double teamed, and I'll throw up 20 tapes of every prospect in the draft getting double teamed and losing. That happens. It's football. But do they have the motor? Do they have the ability to win one-on-ones? Because that's really what coaching and defensive philosophy is, to free up and isolate your talent to be blocked one-on-one, and then you must expect them to win. And I believe Solomon Thomas is going to give that to the Chicago Bears a win. You know, you mentioned you can put up tape of a lot of players getting beat by double teams, and I totally agree that it's easy to isolate bad plays from a guy even like Solomon Thomas and say well see look at this one play look at how bad he is and that's definitely a a dangerous evaluation tool but the one guy that it's hard to find a lot of plays where double teams are taking him out of a play is Jonathan <laughs> Allen from Alabama and to <laughs> me it, it, it when, when we're at, after Garrett and Watson I'm I'm nitpicking the next four or five guys on my list here but I I put Jonathan Allen at number three here, above above the rest. And it's not as though I think he's so much better than Solomon Thomas and Jamal Adams and Marshawn Lattimore and Melly Cooker and all these guys. It's 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 such a it's such a nitpick personal preference thing here. And I, I see a guy like Allen that's just so solid and so reliable. You know what you're getting with him. You're getting a guy that can hold up against double teams, a guy that can pass rush effectively from five tech, three tech, even one tech, I think you can motion him in, in there, especially in nickel situations, and he can obviously hold down against the run. He can set the edge from the five-tech if you need him to. He can eat up space in the middle if you need him to. He can penetrate in a one-gap if you need him to. He can two-gap if you need him to. I just think he can play up and down the line, and he's just a surefire Pro Bowl player. And it's not like my, or it's not like um, Solomon Thomas isn't. You know, this is not a this is not a Solomon Thomas is not this, and Jonathan Allen is this. But to me, I I'm just so confident and comfortable with what. I'm getting from Jonathan Allen. I know he is a Pro Bowl defensive end. He's an instant upgrade at the position, and I like 
the, th- the thing that might give him the edge, that gives him the edge over especially the secondary players is just building in the trenches and just preferring to have guys up front and letting them improve the play of the players behind them rather than the other direction. And then for me, with him and Solomon Thomas, it, it's really close to me because I'm going to put Solomon Thomas at four. I mean, I'm putting Allen at three, Thomas at four because, again, I, I love so much of Solomon Thomas's game, and it's not none of this is a knock on him by any means. It's just I'm a little bit more <laughs> comfortable with Jonathan Allen's consistency, and I'm not concerned at all about his ceiling or, or even his shoulder injury. None of those things are, are very big factors for me. I think it's all there with Jonathan Allen, and it's all there with Solomon Thomas too, but it's just I'm slightly more comfortable with Allen. I have funny. I have Allen at number four for me, too, up in there. You're not going to go wrong with a guy that can play five technique, be athletic and agile and dominant inside. I just think that's where he's best at, where Thomas can play, give you snaps at five technique because of his explosion and athleticism, his ability to engage and disengage, his pop. I just love the way he explodes out of his stance. But Allen's right there. But I just don't think Allen can ever go into the Bears' defensive philosophy and give you edge plays. That's not going to take him away. I, that's why I'm putting Thomas over. I, Thomas has dominated games where he's unblockable. And that kind of sense and similarity to what I saw in Aaron Donald. Yes, whoever that guy was on Twitter um, I think you have the wrong person because I was a huge Aaron Donald fan just to check your feet at the door, take off your shoes, because me and Lauren were huge Aaron Donald fans. When I look at Solly Thomas, I get that similar vibe that he can explode out of his stance and get into the backfield, disrupt plays. And he's just a man-child when it comes to that position. But Allen is not too far behind. I think he would give you obvious pass rush inside as well in third down. But he's going to be that opposite end of Akeem Hicks. And the thought of that front is (laughs) you're not losing if you're Brian Pace and you choose Allen over Thomas, in my mind, at three. It's it's so much nitpicking when we're getting to this point in the board and it, it's, it just has a lot that we're both you know one and you know three and four four and three on, on Allen and Thomas and I think that that shows you that it's not you know as much as you start you know as soon as you start to say well like this is why I like one player over the other it's easy to start thinking well like oh well then I think player two is bad here but it's it's definitely you cannot go wrong with either one of these players and I would not be disappointed with either one of those players it's just again a slight slight preference one way or another but I think Beyond beyond these four, let's get to, let's get to five here because we're you know to, to round out the first top five of, of our big board here. This is a little tough, so you know, so no no Thomas, no Allen, no Garrett, no Watson. Now you're starting to, I think we're starting to get some of the more secondary, like literally the position, the secondary players in the conversation here, also secondary really in our mind. Phil, who who comes next when you're not when you're not able to upgrade the edge rusher, you're not able to get the defensive lineman and. You're not able to get at least Deshaun Watson as far as the quarterbacks go. Well, I have the wild card here because I don't – I understand the philosophy of trading down, but I don't want to be at three anymore. But if I'm there, Lauren, and we've talked about this, you know, the quarterback would be the Trump. But say the quarterbacks aren't on the board, and my board tells me I want a sure thing. Not the popular thing. I don't give two craps about what Todd McShay and Matt Miller are thinking when I pick my pick. I care about how this player is going to fit the Chicago Bears going forward. What is he going to do for this football team? If you had a redraft from last year, what round does Jordan Howard go in? If you had a, you know, that kind of philosophy is never really thought about. It's like, oh, afterthought. So when I look at this, speaking of Howard's, my number five pick is OJ Howard out of Alabama. Honestly, I think he's a sure thing. I think he's a dynamic Pro Bowl type player that you are going to end up. I mean, he's the closest thing. Gonzalez 
that I've scouted in my time. Like that's how high I highly I think of him. Well, you can get a tight end and you can there's this deep draft of tight end. I want the best. I'm at three. My two guys are off the board and we're having a discussion. I'm making a case for OJ Howard because he's gonna flip the field. He's gonna give a Mike Glennon if that's where you're going, or you have a plan in trading back up and getting a a, a quarterback later. He's only going to help that quarterback. You have an injury-prone Zach Miller, and you have Deion Sims, who's not in the athletic even vicinity of this football player. (laughs) So now you've strengthened your football team minus the loss. And let's not skip over this loss of Alshon Jeffrey because he did a lot of things inside as well as downfield to help the run game that's going to be missing with younger players out there playing. And for me, O.J. Howard is a sure thing. I'd rate him higher than those other players that you're talking about and that we're going to get into it. But O.J. Howard's number five on my list. Yeah, I think I think the best way to sort of conceptualize this is let's just say the Bears trade down to number five, which I, I looked up. It's the Tennessee Titans pick fifth overall. So the Bears trade down to five. And the, the players off the board are Watson, Garrett, Allen, and Thomas in some order, which was the four that we all or that we both agreed on. And now at five, we split again. And to to me, I mean, I get the case for OJ Howard, and he's he's coming up here in my board as well. Again, nitpicking for these top players, and I I wouldn't be necessarily totally disappointed with him right right here in the selection. But I, especially especially if I guess if I'm trained down to five at three at three, I might be a little bit more disappointed if they're because you're just going to have your your four guys ahead of him already or you know at least two of those guys on the board but if you're trading down into the fifth slot I'm not going to be I'm not going to go home disappointed with OJ Howard but to me the fifth guy on my board is Jamal Adams from LSU I just I, I think he like Jonathan Allen is starting to get in this phase of some overthinking with him as a prospect in the in the draft community and all of a sudden he starts to fall like top 10 top 15 in some mock drafts and I think he can just do everything really well I mean he's not the the elite athlete and the elite ball hawk that a guy like Malik Hooker is but He's so sure as a tackler. He's great in coverage. He can cover the slot. He can cover the back end deep, and he can come down and deliver hits against the run. He can take on blocks. I just, I feel so comfortable in pretty much every aspect of his game as a defender, as a safety. Maybe you want him to be a little bit better as you know in that free safety role, but in Vic Fangio's defense, he's going to be doing a little bit of everything, and I think he does it more than well enough to be able to handle any kind of responsibilities that a guy like Vic Fangio is going to throw at him, and especially with. You know the the cornerback position at least getting some more free agent help than the safety spot did. I mean, you've got Deion Bush, you've got Quentin Demps, and Adrian Amos, but none of those guys, to me, I mean, Adrian Amos is certainly a very promising player. And I'm not I'm not trying to overlook him at all, but no one, none of them get you quite as excited as a Jamal Adams does for me. I think he changes the culture of the secondary. You know, gone is the Tracy Porter taking plays off and kind of jogging and not giving full effort. Jamal Adams comes in and says, "This is going to be my secondary now." We're going to hit hard, we're going to play hard, we're going to hustle hard on every play, and we're going to make receivers respect us. Every single route that they run, they're going to know that we are the Bears secondary and they're not going to have a good time anytime they come across our field. So I feel like he is the kind of guy that, beyond just his on-field play, he is the the leader, the emotional guy that can really kind of turn around the secondary and be the Mike Brown for me. Yeah, I mean, I completely understand where you're going there. If I'm battling for you as the coach versus O.J. Howard, I'm looking at the game-breaking ability. Offense needs to get better, obviously, and you need some targets that are going to help downfield. I would be arguing for Howard over Adams in that case. My safety, let's keep it here, would be Hooker. I think he's an elite center fielder that's going to – and he's my number six on the board. So it'll work right in with Adams versus him. You know, I just think you're looking at Amos. I think he – his rookie year, everybody was uh, praising the tape, the alley plays that he was coming up and filling. You know, he got injured this past year, a couple games – he hasn't turned over the football because I'm looking at a player that better use as strong safety. I know they're interchangeable. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's better at the line of, up closer. 
He's a physical guy. He's not shying away from physicality. So when I look at this roster, the big hole I see is free safety. And why not get the guy that's elite center fielder that's going to attack the football? And it's not a knock on Adams. I just think looking at the two players, looking at what Ryan Pace loves, this guy shoots the charts and that athleticism i know there's missed tackles in there we're gonna have to clean that up you're gonna have to ask and go long into the night and looking at the tape is it want to or is it technique because if it's want to then the player has issues but if it's just technique with the the tackling then that's going to be fixed the guy is an absolute phenom off the hashes and that's where I think the Chicago Bears defense is really lacking a playmaker on the back end that's going to be able to come and be that elite free safety. And that's why I have Hooker over Adams. I have Hooker at six. I got Adams at eight. Yeah, I have I have it the exact opposite. I have uh, I have Adams at six and Hooker down at eight. And <laughs> <laughs> and like to me again, it's 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 nitpicking here. We're not. I'm not getting. I'm not getting upset with Malik Hooker. I'm not getting upset if they take Hooker over Jamal Adams because I think Malik Hooker is going to be a very good NFL safety. It's just a little. I'm just a little bit more comfortable with Adams. And I, as much as Hooker from a skill set standpoint, I think fits better with Amos. I agree that he he offers you different things, maybe more so than Jamal Adams has. That that being said, I'm perfectly comfortable if Jamal Adams and Adrian Amos are my two starting safeties this year. And I'm not saying you wouldn't be, but I think. The two of them are both good enough at being able to play the back end that I'm not concerned that, oh, well, neither one of these guys is a true ball-hawking safety. I think the playmaking mm-hmm. ability will be there. It's not as much—I mean, I think Hooker can create plays on his own and more so than either one of Adams or Amos, but I do think a lot of playmaking on the on the secondary can come down to uh, the defense as a whole functioning. It's, it's the— it's the pass rushers getting pressure on the quarterback. It's the defensive linemen opening up the edge rushers. It's the inside linebackers covering the tight ends tight enough that forces the quarterback to force it downfield to the receiver that's, that that Jamal Adams is just barely close enough. I mean, every all eleven guys contribute. I think to to all to interceptions on plays. I think it's uh, uh, in so many cases it's much more than just one guy making a play. It's four or five guys making a play that puts that one guy in position to make that play for that interception. And so I think. A guy like Hooker is going to be in better position to make turnovers and is going to make more of those sort of ball-hawking kind of turnovers, but I'm not concerned about lacking that too much if if my starting safety duo is Jamal Adams and Adrian Amos, even though a Hooker might give me a little bit more of that, and not just a Hooker, Malik Hooker in particular. I'm not going <laughs> to pay that much for safety play, but, you know, it's it, <laughs> to me, it's, it's, it's again, it's like, I, I don't know, I can't say it enough that it's, it's just nitpicking with these guys, and I think, I I think we're on the same page that it's not this stark difference of of opinion here on these safeties. Yeah, you're you're right. I, I, if they have Adams on their big board now, what does Adams bring to the table? He brings a bulldog's mentality. He's going to lead the troops. He's got that alpha male mentality that you're looking for. That's going to put a a check plus in that column because how many dogs do we have out there we got Hakeem Hicks you got um Pernell McPhee but he's been injured a lot Willie Young I'm trying to think of dogs uh, Jarrell Freeman he had the suspension that kind of doesn't light up the 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 candle for me as far as somebody who's gonna just unless he comes back full full force and just takes over this team I mean you had a guy like in the secondary who who just got cut who was considered the leader of the secondary lord so you could clearly make a case for the bears really liking that kind of locker room presence as well as outstanding football player because we're nitpicking here because we're in we're at three guys because guess what you're three and 13 you've won you were 0 for 8 on the road this coaching staff is on thin ice. You're needing to get character players 
as well as talented players. They got to match up. That's why we're so high on Watson. That's why I'm so high on Thomas. That's why I'm high on Howard. Look at this kind of player, and you really understand why Lauren has him at six, and I have him at eight. And having him in your top ten is nothing to shy at when you're ranking the best players for the Bears. And I'm gonna am I I'm gonna guess here and say that Marshawn Lattimore sits at seven, in between the two. Well, you know what, Lauren? Because I did a big board, not just my own big board. I have a surprise at seven. Is it is it Jabril? <laughs> no, it is from Western Kentucky, oh. Forest Lamp. Forest, Forest Lamp. Forest Lamp. Based on ten at the Bears, so the Bears trade back. Yeah, they get their extra pick or whatever. Pick. How they? Yeah, the seventh pick. They get another first-round pick. I don't know what this team at seven has, but I'm looking at it. When I ranked these players, I ranked them one through 50 in looking at who I thought were the best players in the draft. If we're now condensing this to my 10 players for the Bears, I'm looking at a huge need at offensive tackle. Forrest Lamp is a Goddamn football player. I mean, if you didn't watch the Forest Lamp film room and YouTube at Bears Hour Live, go check it out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's hard to find plays where the guy <laughs> loses. So we were struggling with that. But at the same time, it took us over three hours because me and Lauren are laughing in awe of the little things the guy does so well. Forrest Lamp would not only upgrade the offensive line, I just think he would upgrade the attitude that this football team plays with on the offensive side of the football and would help that young back going into a sophomore season where really backs are really held to a certain level. Let's see who he is in his sophomore year when defenses and defensive coordinators are game planning to stop Jordan Howard. Are the fans going to jump the bus? You saw uh, flashes with Jeremy Langford his rookie year. His sophomore year was a tremendous disappointment. So not saying that Jordan Howard is. I'm just saying we're going to have to watch this. What better way to help the process than to help leave Kyle Long inside or wherever he feels comfortable or move Kyle Long to right tackle Lamp at left tackle, sitting at guard, white hair at center, and then you have a battle for the right guard. I mean, yeah, right guard position with Cush, maybe Hironis Grasso, whoever is going to play right guard. I mean, now you've done what the Dallas Cowboys have. You've created an offensive line with young talent and stability with sitting being the man with the uh, old tooth there. But really, I know you guys at PFF graded him really well. This offensive line would then hold up for a more statuesque quarterback like Mike Glennon. It comes back to that positional value again, like with the quarterback position. And if you have the opportunity to add a blindside protector like Forrest Lamp, who is just, I mean, just going to come in and he's going to lock down the position. You know that you have your left tackle of the future. He's so technically sound. I don't care about his arm length. I don't care. I mean, his combine was great. He moves really well. His feet are great. His hands are great. I mean, he's so he's such a sure thing for me, and I, I don't care that his arms are a little bit shorter. They're a quarter of an inch shorter than Joe Thomas, Phil, and I know you and I talked about Thomas as a, even a, a good comp for him, that maybe he's not as elite yet as a guy like Joe Thomas. Where, I mean, Thomas has been one of the best left tackles in the NFL for the last 10 years, but there's there's a lot of similarities in how they play and how they make up for their physical deficiencies with their athleticism, with their feet, with their hands, and just with their understanding of what a pass rusher is trying to do to them, how a pass rusher wants to beat them, and how they're not going to allow a pass rusher to do that. And and you, you make a good case for keeping them up here. And I think, you know, when you say that, I'm like, I'm like, okay, where do I, where I need? I need to get Forrest Lamp. <laughs> I need to find a slot for him in here. And I, I think he's gonna he's gonna be. It's, just, it's such a good case when you when you talk about a Bears specific need because he wasn't a guy that initially came to mind. But when you're talking about filling what this team needs and what 
this could do for a guy. I, I, I think I, I think I would, I think I'd slot him in over at nine. I had Derek Barnett there originally because I'm a big fan of adding at the edge rusher position, but I think, man, that's <laughs> that's a good case for Forrest Lamp there. I, I have Marshawn Lattimore at, at in between the safeties at seven, and it's not. I, again, I think Lattimore is a guy that. It's it's so another very technically sound player, a physical freak at the cornerback position, and especially after you cut a guy like Tracy Porter, you, you don't have a lot of sure things at the cornerback position right now. And not that not that Tracy Porter was by any means, but to me, you know, guys like Marcus Cooper and Prince Mukamara, well, you know, hopefully you get a good starter out of those two, and maybe you get two. But I'm not going into the 2016 season banking on 16 games of great football from both of those players. I just don't think. It's between you know between Amukamara's injury history and and Cooper having some up and down times in his career. I'm not I'm just not a hundred percent confident in both of those guys. And, and Kyle Fuller obviously is coming back from the injury and might move and play some safety. It sounds like DeAndre Hall is going to be moving to safety. And and then you've got you know LeBlanc and Callahan both are great slot guys to me. But I'm not I, I want an upgrade on the outside cornerback position. And I, and Marshawn Lattimore is just the cream of the crop in this draft. And I think he again would sort of be that more sure thing at a position that has a lot of names but not a lot of consistency and, and consistency is his game and it, it comes down to okay how much do I value a left tackle and how much do I value a cornerback and god the more the more I talk about it the more I think about it like <laughs> Lamp keeps wanting to like move up because I love Lamp in this draft I'm such he's, he's he's my draft crush this year it took me a long time to figure out who it was but man when we there when we did know. that film room it's breaking just, news you just breaking fall in love news. what's going on breaking news Lawrence Crush. Oh. Forrest Lamp. <laughs> I mean, he's, like like Phil said, I mean, like, we, so, like, I, when we do these film room things, you know, we, we go through and try and find the plays ahead of time, obviously, that we're going to want to go through in the film room. And it's like, I wanted to find, you know, I didn't, I mean, you know, we never want to make it a highlight video where we just say, here are five great plays of this player being great. We do some good. We do some bad. We show you their traits. And it's really hard to find plays where Forrest Lamp is bad. I mean, like, I, I'm combing through the PFF data, and even just the number of negative graded plays he had this year for us was like five, and like two of those were penalties. So I mean, it's 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 really it's difficult to find plays that that this guy does something wrong this year. And I don't care that Western Kentucky it doesn't play in the best conference in the country. They played Alabama, and he shut down Jonathan Allen. He destroyed Jonathan Allen on a play. He, he was able yeah. to corral Ryan Anderson and the Tim Williams, the other edge rusher. I mean, they threw everything at him, and I think he might have got beaten once or twice in that game, as all offensive linemen do every game. But for the most part, he won against everyone he went against, against Alabama. And to me, that was that was what sealed it for me. That's what seals him as a top offensive tackle in this draft, what seals him as a player who's very capable of playing that position, even with shorter arms, is that not only did he dominate his conference level of competition at the left tackle position, even guys that are longer than him, stronger than him, faster than him, but then he goes up against literally the best team in the country, the defense that was being heralded as one of the best defenses maybe in college football history and definitely in the last 10 years, and he just handled everything they threw at him. And to me, that's a top 10 player. That's a top 10 offensive tackle in this draft, and that's that's the left tackle of the future for my franchise. Well, I talked you into him at seven. I <laughs> You're talking me into him at three. You know, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> No, the I mean, importance of it, I mean, literally, <laughs> tape doesn't lie, okay? That's why we do this. It's just, it's so impressive to watch this young man's athleticism. Why I get so amped up about Kyle Long being at tackle, because it's so obvious to a guy, a young man who grew up now, coaching offensive line from an offensive line guru, my father, and, and so on and so forth. And I don't go into all these stories and statistics of who my dad influenced, but right here, right now, I'm getting fired up because the offensive tackle position is so important in the pro game. It's not even a consideration of any lies. It's so important. We have seen this franchise fumble and fumble my first draft, Lauren, that I remember watching that brought back a memory today, the Bears took Jimbo Covert from Pitt. He was their left tackle, a freaking athlete, 
everything that this, I would love to know what Colbert's arm length was. I bet you they're the same. That's how <laughs> the the stars are lining up tonight for us because Lamp is not a guard. You play him at tackle and you shut up and you understand that if he fails there, which he won't, but if he does, then you move him to guard. You hear GMs and scouts say this all the time. Well, the scouts and GM, the people that I've talked to and former coaches laugh at the Chicago Bears having Kyle Long in at guard. That disappoints me as a fan because they moved him to tackle out of necessity and he played damn well and then they moved him back to appease him. When That's why I quoted Tom Coughlin for those of you fans out there that saw that video uh, at Bears Barroom that I did about Kyle Long. Here, Lamp comes in and is similar athletic to Kyle Long. I give Kyle a slight edge athleticism-wise. Technique-wise, though, this guy's light years ahead of Kyle Long coming out and about even right now. That's how advanced this kid is with his hand placement, his ability to regather and control. I mean... This is becoming the Forrest Lamb show, but really, <laughs> it really is a testament to you don't know how the Chicago Bears board is and how it's valued. So I'm glad this exercise is happening because when you go to 10 players in this draft, based on my rankings, Forrest Lamp is up there in the conversation. Yeah, left tackle, again, just too important. But I, a, a part of the thing, part of the issue here, too, is like if we're, if we're GM for this draft, then. Mm-hmm. We're moving Kyle Long to left tackle, and then we don't need to draft one in the first round, you know? <laughs> yeah, if I was like, the GM, we kind of have to, we kind of have to accept. We might have drafted, well, yeah, we're drafting, right tackle, but we're, we're, yeah, we're drafting Deshaun Watson if well, we're the GM. Yeah. But I mean, if we're trading down and all this, I mean, I, I think it lowers. Let's talk about that for a second, Lauren. Okay. The trade down, the trade down fear for me I want to know what the fan is fearing because it sounds good. Well, you know, if I don't want to miss my guy, I don't want to miss the guy I know is going to help this football team. Now, we had Greg Gabriel on. You did an excellent job surmising the whole thing. It's not all on Greg. Greg probably fought for another. And, and Jerry Angelo picked the guy. So in this case, You're 100% right, because if Ryan Pace has them all there, and I mean the quarterbacks, and he passes on them, okay, or he trades back to 16 or 15 with the Colts or the Saints, where's the Saints pick? 13 and something else? I don't have it in front of me. I I I do. The Saints have 11 and 32. So say they trade back to 11 and they get 32 and 11, okay? And then all of a sudden, teams are trading up in front knowing, well, I know what the Bears and Pace are doing. They're setting up to pick a quarterback, and then they want to get something else at 32, a safety. So now you've shown your cards when you have the opportunity to take your best player at a position you need. You know, defense wins championships. We say that. But offenses get you to the playoffs, okay? And quarterbacks really ultimately win Super Bowls. I'm willing to bank on Deshaun Watson. I don't think you pass over that. If their guy is Kaiser, if their guy is Trubisky, because I know you Bear fans are passionate about this. I love Mahomes. Mahomes, I have a slight edge over Kaiser. But if that's who they have rated... I am going to support this franchise and the GM because I'll tell you why. Because you're taking a shot at being great. You're showing me that you've done the work and you trust in your scouts that this guy's going to be the quarterback of the face of the franchise. And if you can't do that or you try to be tricky and cute and get more picks, the time for more picks is in the second round. You want to trade, trade down, whatever. Do that then. Take your guy at three. Take your face of the franchise. That is my sermon tonight. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I mean, amen. Amen, Brother Phil. Amen, <laughs> Brother Phil. 
<laughs> no, but exactly. I, I totally agree. It's, like I said earlier, you're picking in the top five in the draft. You you should never be in this situation ever again. So you have if you're a team that needs a quarterback of the future, you you have to take one. You can't you can't wait and hope that you and risk losing the opportunity to get one. It's one thing if if you're trading from three to five. I mean maybe. You know, if a team just wants to move a couple of slots, maybe you feel comfortable. Maybe you're like, okay, I like Watson and Trubisky in this draft. So if I'm at three and they're both there, I can trade to five, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get one of those. Okay, I can I can sleep at night with, with a, a couple slot move. But if you're trying to do one of these trade way down and, and hope and, and assume that one of these quarterbacks is going to fall to you, that's that's a losing move right there. You're not you're not going out to winning. You're, you're putting your fate in the hands of, however many teams you're moving down just to acquire a few more draft picks. And I know acquiring draft picks is sexy and you want you want to be able to have more opportunities to improve your team and I totally get that. But like you said, I think do that in round two because this is Ryan Pace is a guy that can find Adrian Amos and Jordan Howard in the fifth round. So rather than trade down from the third overall pick and add another top fifty pick or maybe multiple top one hundred picks, you can trade down in the second, add another fourth and a fifth and still get two opportunities to add potential Pro Bowl players in you know, a guy like Jordan Howard, these fifth, these gems that your general manager can find. You don't need to add first-round picks. You don't need to add second-round picks in order for this guy to add talent to your roster. And you have to take, you have to understand how valuable that is in a general manager that he can be a difference maker late in the draft. And then that's that can that can build championship teams if you hit in your first-round picks and you get a quarterback of the future. I don't think anyone is super confident in Mike Glennon being that. And if you wait and you miss out on a top quarterback in this draft, you miss out on your guy, that's how you get fired. That's how you, you draft a Peterman and your team struggles and you, you don't have that quarterback and, and you lose your job as a general manager. You have to have conviction. You have to respect the quarterback position for how valuable it is on your franchise and you have to go get one. You have to, you have to just understand how rare this opportunity is for you at that position and you have to you can get elite playmakers at other positions. You can't get elite playmakers at quarterback if you're not taking the first one of the bunch. If you're not getting your choice of the bunch because as soon as they start coming off the board, you start if you have to settle at that position, you're already losing. You're not you're not being proactive. You're not setting up your franchise for success. But Phil, we're getting down to the last 3 minutes of our show here. We didn't necessarily oh. get through all top 10 on our board, but just to recap Actually, Phil, just real quick, who are your last two guys? And then I'll list off in your order. I have Lattimore and I have Jabril Peppers. Ooh. So so Phil, <laughs> Phil's Bears board here, Watson Garrett, Tar- Watson Garrett Thomas, Allen Howard Hooker, Lamp Adams, Lattimore Peppers. I have mine, yeah. Watson Garrett Allen Thomas, Adams, Lattimore Hooker, Howard I put Lamp at number nine, and I put Mitch Trubisky at number ten, just because I think the quarterback position is too important. And I'm not—I I think Patrick Mahomes is starting to get near this conversation too, just because of how important the quarterback position is. But Trubisky's my number two guy, and I felt like I had to put him in there at the bottom of the top ten, just because of how important that is. And even if somehow you you miss out on Watson if he goes one or two, I think Trubisky for me is automatically right in that next conversation, just because I think he can be. A franchise quarterback, not that Kaiser and Mahomes can either, but I'm most, I'm next most confident in him being a franchise quarterback after Deshaun Watson. But that's that's gonna that's gonna wrap up our big board discussion here. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the show and listening. I know it's a, it's a Thursday night. We mixed it up. It was a little bit last minute, and we're not going to be around this Sunday for Easter. So hopefully, we'll be next well, Thursday. Yeah, we and, and next Thursday again, we're going to be on there, and and we'll be on a next mock. weekend as well. We're going to do a mock draft next week for Thursday. Maybe have a few guests on for that. We'll see. But regardless, enjoy the, enjoy the weekend. If you're not religious, enjoy the weekend anyway. We, hopefully, you can spend some time with your family one way or another. It's it's Easter. It's it's any any occasion to to get back with the family and maybe some Bears football will come up and you can tell them about your favorite online Chicago Bears radio show, Bears Hour Live with Draft Doctor Philatoshin and Lauren Cox. Of course, if you're not subscribed already for the podcast version, we're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we have a Podbean, we got our own website, BearsHourLive.com, where we keep all our podcasts and videos. Speaking of those videos, be, please be sure to subscribe on YouTube. We got our film room. We talked about our Forrest Lamp one and how it's, it's all about how he should be a left tackling in the NFL. We go through plays where his arm length is an issue, but he recovers and, and makes up for it. So definitely check that out. We're going to have some more in the pipeline. We're not ready to tease our, our next video for that, but we're going to, down the line, we've got another guest lined up before the draft. We're going to be doing a sleeper show potentially next week with a special guest. Go through some of these guys 
in the day three that, you know, who we would like to put our stamp on as guys that the Bears could take that could be the next Jordan Howard, the next gem for this team. So with with that, our clock is running out, and that's going to have to do it for this edition of Bears Hour Live. Thanks for listening. Come on.